It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Benjamin Hall, and I'm searching for heroes. Today's guest is someone who has saved countless lives and has done so using her own experiences. She herself was at the bottom once from a broken community and a broken family, but now she works to make communities stronger. Susan Burton is the founder of A New Way of Life. It's a charity that helps women who are in and out of jail and addicted, but who are looking for a path out. It is a voyage, though, that she herself knows very well, as up to the age of 46, she herself was living that life. Years earlier, Burton's five-year-old son had been killed. Wild with grief in an impoverished community, she took drugs, became addicted, she got arrested for a non-violent crime, and then went to prison. Then she did it again and again and again for nearly 20 years. But finally, one day, someone reached out to help her. She became a live-in caregiver for an elderly woman, and soon she realized that there was another way. Soon, she had saved $12,000. She bought herself a bungalow on a flat, sun-baked street in South Los Angeles. And she began going back to the bus depot where women leaving prison were dropped off. And she began inviting them to come and stay with her. Since then, she has built the most amazing charity that helps women who have come from broken communities, broken families, and end up in prison. And has now, years later, saved countless lives, brought families back together, and has helped hundreds and hundreds of women. It is such a great pleasure talking to her today. Here is my conversation with Susan Burton. I think my story starts uh, with my mom and dad who migrated to Los Angeles from the South. And they were running, trying to escape the racism, the lynching and the Jim Crow of the South looking for a better life for themselves and their children to be. Uh, they landed in a place called Aliso Village. And this was a community that had been sort of constructed to contain people who were migrating from the South. And that's where I was born in 1951. And I was born into, first of all, a housing project. I was born into violence. I was born into bad treatment of children. I experienced all types of harm as a little girl. Was that at the hands of your of your family members or from other people? It was at the hands of my community and some of it was within my family. So I had five brothers and I was the only daughter in the household. And my father, I was, of course, being the only girl, I was daddy's little girl. Uh, daddy was a uh, whooper, a beater. And he used to whoop the boys, but he never whooped me. So therefore, the boys whooped me. <laughs> <laughs> And treated me, you know, sort of treated me really bad. Uh, so as a little girl, I had to learn to protect myself. But I didn't know how to protect myself against all of the other types of abuses that happened. 
um, you know, when I was a little girl, five, six, seven, instead of playing with my dolls and dressing my dolls, I was literally trying to figure out how to keep my dress on, uh, how to protect myself from uh, neighborhood abusers. Like my brothers would physically harm me, but they didn't sexually harm me. Like um, maybe if they had to uh, babysit me while my mother went out to work, I can remember them uh, making me stay in closets. You know, if we come back to community and the idea that community should be there to protect you, why didn't the community look out for each other? Why was it so broken? So our community came from hostility. Our community came from harsh and bad treatments. And that's what they knew. Our community came from the women of the community being harmed and molested by their captors uh, from the slave trade. And that type of thinking and behavior was passed on to them. I'm still trying to disrupt the thinking and the legacy of slavery and racism. And I wonder whether what you think would help do that. Is it is it education? Is it about, you know, the government not giving enough, not helping communities enough? Like, what is it that is needed to shift that that thought process, to shift how those communities think? I think just my way of doing it is a demonstration of kindness a demonstration of love and patience extending to whoever. Uh, mostly it's the women that I work with that are coming out of prisons, mm. extending them the um, uh, patience and kindness and support, recognizing the abilities that they have to build a new and different type of future. Yeah. And this is something that you have gone through yourself. This is your journey because you were at the bottom. You ended up in prison. And I wonder if you tell us a bit about that and then go on to saying, despite everything that happened to you, there was something inside that always w wanted you to change it, always wanted you to help others. And I'm fascinated as to know where that came from. Yes. Yeah, so um, I struggled all my life through hardships, through harm, through poverty, through lack of social services. Um, and my son, his name was KK. We called him, oh, his name was Mark K, but we nicknamed him KK. He was five years old and he was killed. He was accidentally ran over by an LAPD detective. After his death, I was devastated. It was like I had endured so much harm. And to lose him uh, that day, it just it just crushed me. And I went spinning into um, alcoholism. I tried to drink and drown the grief. And it escalated to drug use. And for the drug use, I was incarcerated. 
I know that there could have been and there should have been something to help me cope with the loss besides alcohol and drugs. It was the the during the the whole drug and crack cocaine um, conspiracy that came upon poor communities all over this country. And for the drug use, I was incarcerated. All the time, I knew inside of me that there had to be something different. My life was not created for me to uh, wallow in the, the depths of despair. So I hung on and I went through multiple prison experiences. And then someone did help me. I found help in a fluent community in Santa Monica. And that help allowed me to see a different type of world and a different type of living. And I, I've read a lot that, and one of the things you focus on now um, in a new way of life, which is your amazing nonprofit, is it's a vicious cycle. And so, so many people, once they end up in prison, incarcerated, it's very difficult when they come out, they, they don't get any support. And that's what you are trying to do now. You said that someone helped you. And there was that one moment where someone helped you and helped you break that cycle because it stopped you going in and out of prison. Explain that. So Santa Monica is like six miles down the freeway from South LA. And in that community, there was all sorts of help. There was love, there was patience, there was tolerance, there was kindness, there was belief, there was resources. So it wasn't just one somebody, it was just this community and this energy that was so different from anything I'd ever experienced. And it's just a few miles down the highway. I couldn't believe it. But I got therapy there. I got dental services. I got mental health services. I got um, job services. But most, the most effective thing I got was the love, the patience, and the tolerance, the kindness from other people where I wasn't a bother. I was this person that people saw. It was like I had this value in this community that I'd never had before. You're listening to Searching for Heroes with Benjamin Hall. We'll be right back. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. You talk about getting the love, the tolerance, the community, but I suppose there are also very practical things. What about you can have love, but what if you don't can't get a job? What if you can't get a place to live? Yes. You, so I, I guess it's two parts to it. One is the community. The other is the very practicality of it and what you yes. do. So there was a place that I lived that was safe, that no one in there was trying to harm me. Everywhere I had been prior to that, there seemed like there was harm in the environment. There was 12 steps that I was introduced to, Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm 26 years sober now. 
uh, there was therapy, you know, these practical things. The therapy allowed me to walk through my life and understand that I wasn't a bad person. I was a harm person. And I had never been given the opportunity to explore. I had never been given the safety long enough for me to explore, you know, what was inside of me, Mm. what I could produce, what value I had to put into the world. But what's amazing is that you were shown that, you were given that, but rather than going off and living a new life, the first thing you did was you went back. You used that to go and help other people. And that's what's so amazing. And I think many people get out of that system, but not many go back to help the way you did. So what what made you different? What gave you that motivation? So I found in Santa Monica a solution. I found what was needed in South LA that was where I was from. And it was a desert for resources. And I thought if other women like me had a safe place to go and a way and a community to rebuild their lives, then they wouldn't go back to prison either. I thought about all of the hardship, all of the cycle of incarceration I had been trapped in and how this, what I got in this community helped me to solve and resolve some of the issues of the past and step into the future. And if I could do that for other women, then maybe the world would just be a little better. So I worked and I got a little house and I went down to the bus station where I had gotten off that bus so many times before with nowhere to go and no one to greet me. And I would greet the women coming off the bus and let them know I had a house and they could come live there. They didn't have to return to the streets. I mean, and you saved, I mean, you saved every penny for years, first of all, to be able to afford that house. I saved the money. I worked as a caregiver. I just wanted to be a help in the world. I worked with seniors and I saved the money and I got that little house. So tell us, what what have you built since then? Because a new way of life has grown dramatically and you are saving countless people now. Yes, yes. So what's so amazing is that we have created a model, a reentry model for women. And a new way of life personally has helped over 1,600 women come home. We reunited over 400 women with their children. Because I think about, I can't take back the years of pain and suffering that I experienced, but I can help another woman not experience those years of pain and suffering. I can't bring KK back. But I've had the experience of reuniting 400 children with their mothers and those children. I'm I'm here now making Christmas for my house 
is I have like 40 bags, uh, really big bags strolled across my living room, lined up with, with papers on them for each person and each child that I'm putting gifts into the bags making Christmas. So I can't bring back KK, but I can enjoy Christmas with other children. And I think it's the love of my child that drives me because KK's gone, but the love for KK still stays with me. And it's just expanded and expanded. So to your question, we've created a successful, nationally recognized reentry model for women. And we are uh, actually training people to replicate it all over the world. Wow. But talk to me about that, those initial moments where you speak to someone, you find someone, a woman coming off that bus. And many of them, I'm presumably are, are going back into dealing. They're heading back to the streets. What do you say to them? How do you pull it out? And how do you say, stop this right now? Let's break this cycle together. Come with me. What, how does that conversation go? I just say, girl, I have a house and it's a safe place to live. There are no drugs and alcohol there. We have support and resources. If you'd like to come, I invite you to come. Do most of them join you? Um, Most of them do join. And well, at this point, we have 12 homes all across L.A. County. And women write to me asking if they can come. Mm. No longer hang out at the bus station. They write. And when they're when they're ready to come home, we we're there to pick them up and bring them to the house. So people are seeking something different, looking and exploring what can support them upon their release. We get hundreds and hundreds of letters every year. I, I wonder in prison, you know, in, in, in that sort of community, when all the prisoners are sitting around, and, and I, I wouldn't know what that's like. Do people, do all prisoners sit then and say, when I get out, I'm going to change? Is that the feeling in prison that they all want to change after they've served and that stops? Or do some of them say, I'm, I'm getting out and I'm going back? Like, wh- what is their mental frame in prison? So the mental frame in prison is that, you know, I got to find a way out of this. You know, I want to change my life. You know, I want my children are without me. You know, I don't ever want to be treated like this again. Uh, So everybody is thinking about and wanting to do something different. But it takes work. It takes commitment. You know, it takes resources and there's not a lot of resources for women. Yeah, I I wonder if, you know, prison perhaps does serve. It's the lowest point and that sort of serves the purpose of it. But what isn't there is what comes afterwards. So prison is what happens when you have committed crimes, but then there's nothing afterwards to pick you up and move you on. So that, I think, is where you're saying the attention has to be. Yes, yes. I mean, so we have put in the U.S. over $100 billion into prison punishment and incarceration. What are we putting into restoration, rehabilitation, and resources for reentry? 
it's so, you know, my thought is that at the end of a prison term, we don't really have the person that we want to have. You know, we want someone employed. We want someone in higher education. We want someone rehabilitated. We want someone ready to rejoin the, the community. But I can tell you personally, every time I left prison, I was a little bit more desperate each time. Desperate for resources, desperate to know who I really was, desperate for safety. And it wasn't until I reached Santa Monica that I found a place to heal, a place to come to know myself, my potential, a place that I could begin to dream about what my life could be. So I want a new way of life to be that place for other people, for other women, other folks that that just don't know how great and how wonderful they can be. We'll be back in a moment with Searching for Heroes. If you could go back, I suppose, and, and talk to your younger self, what would you say? How is there a way that you could avoid the prison and the, the drugs and the alcohol? Like, what is the message you would send to all the young women out there when they are young to try and stop that and prevent that? Yeah. If I could go back to my younger self, I would tell my younger self to tell somebody what they're doing to you. I would tell my younger self that to get help with what was happening to you. Where would people go? Like right now, where would someone in that position go? They might go to a school counselor. They might go to their mothers and their fathers. Uh, they might go to a family member. You know, they might find someone who they can sense isn't a bad person because children do have sense. Younger people do have a sense of who's a good person and who's a sort of like bad person. Find that good person and seek help. But I would tell my younger self, it's not my responsibility to hold or protect someone that's harming me. Mm -hmm. Do you think that things are changing? Have you seen improvements in the way that, you know, in these communities? Well, um, I see the improvements that we are making and the communities of safety and trust that we're building at through a new way of life. You know, uh, I mean, a new way of life have became like my world that I live in. And we're addressing, you know, a lot of, you know, harm that has happened, but also we're addressing a lot of potential that people hold uh, and building the leadership and the voice of those that have been muted to speak up and speak out. So I only hope that what I've done in the world has resounding effects and continues to ripple out. I'm still coming back to why you were the resilient one, why you had something inside you and so many others didn't. What, what gives that 
to some people, but not to others? So I think it's hope and faith. I've always talked to God. Um, I've always prayed. And I'm sure my mom and my dad prayed for me too. But I think it's faith and hope for something, you know, uh, better and different. And um, the will to just keep going. Mm. I'm sure you experienced a will to just keep going. What kept you going? Everyone around you, well, you said that the folks died. You, you were there and they died. What kept you going? You know, I think that there is a, um, there is a level of strength inside everyone that you don't realize is there till you are right up against the wall. I, I don't think I could have done it. You know, I remember lying there alongside them and no pain meds for a long time and just total agony for a couple of days. But I remember stopping and I'm thinking, you can get, you have to get through this. You can get through this. Focus on where you want to go and all this pain will go away. It will go yeah. away if you keep trying, if you don't stop and you don't give into it. And I thought that constantly to myself. I said, just keep moving forward. Just keep staying alive. And um, I, I don't know where that comes from because I've spoken to a number of doctors who say some people don't have that and, and other people do. And when I yeah. ask why, they say it comes down to those generally surrounded by family and community and something that the support and somewhere to go to. Yes. And I think that's exactly what you are offering people. Yes, yes, yes. You know, November 15th of 2021, I was in a car accident. Nothing is nearly bad as what you experienced, but um, I had to have screws and plates and all of this apparatus put into my right leg. And, oh my God, I was in so much pain. And I had to stop and ask the universe, after I've been through so much, why? Why did I need to experience this sort of pain? In my last years, right? In my elder years, in my, you know, I'm like, I'm old now. <laughs> but you must stop and say, look, you say, look how far I've come. I know we can get through anything. Yes, you, yes. You've done it. You, yes. you know that. And yes. I think that's something else. That is something that everyone else needs to know, that if you keep at it, yeah, you get through it. Yeah. So I kept going and kept going. And my physical therapy was excruciatingly painful. And I said to the physical therapist one day, I said, I'm coming in here to visit you for you to work with me. And it's just too painful. And so I did research and I found a water pool mm -hmm. and I found water therapy. And I went to water therapy three days a week and it wasn't nearly as painful. And I believe my results were pretty good because I was building muscle back. But this was after six months of being on my back, uh, just, you know, uh, not being able to bear weight uh, on the on the leg. So uh, I'm walking again. I, I was I didn't know if I was going to walk again. Uh, but I'm still I still have pain, but it's not nearly as bad. 
But that's that moment. I know, by the way, exactly about the water therapy, because that's exactly what I had to do as well. It saved you. But it was that moment that you found where you said, I can find a way out. I'm going to look for a way to do it. That is what I think is amazing resilience. It's not, this is too hard. I can't go on. It is, let us find a way around it. And that's what I think you got. You have. Yes, yes. Let's find a solution. Mm. Let's not wallow in the problem. Let's find a solution, resources, a way up and out of whatever situation that's not the best situation for you at that time. How many people that you help have that? Like, do you find that is common or do you, do you find that most people don't, don't have that drive? Um, you know, I thought, I thought everybody had what I had, but everybody doesn't. So you help them to understand how to find what they need to, to get to the next place. And, you know, you're doing that with this podcast. Yeah. It's teamwork. It it is all teamwork and everyone brings something different. And if we all find out what everyone is bringing, then together we are stronger as a community. Exactly. I agree exactly that everybody has uh, a different sauce for the soup or a different vegetable for the soup. Uh, Some have meat, some have potatoes, some have celery, some have carrots. But all of it blend together makes a really good pot of soup. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And the other thing is that I have to honor and respect that what that person is bringing is important to the recipe of life. Yeah, absolutely. What is the one message then that you would send out to all those people to find it? How would you sell it to them? How would you motivate them? I would say that um, they're important. Everyone is important. Everyone has a mission uh, to count themselves in, not out. Yes. Susan, it's such a pleasure speaking to you. Really, I'm so grateful you could join us today. And, you know, before we go, let us, how can people help people listening? What can they do to help? Yes. So um, we have a website, uh, anewwayoflife.org. We'd love for you to go to the website and look at ways. We have um, volunteer opportunities. Uh, People can support with donations. Uh, We have requests from residents that are up on our website. Um, But most of all, we can just be kind and patient to one another as we walk through our daily life. Yes, ma'am. I I couldn't have put it better myself. Thank you so much for joining us, Susan. Have a lovely day. Bye. Bye. I absolutely enjoyed speaking to Susan right there. And I think that there's one thing that really stands out for me. And that is that the age at which she decided she wanted to change, that she found that resilience, that she was able to, to switch her life around. She was 47 at the time which she left prison. She said, I want something different. And I think it's a real reminder that it, it's never too late to find that resilience. It's never too late in your life to say, I want to stop the cycle that I'm in. Now, 
she would also say that she had wanted to stop the cycle earlier, but she perhaps didn't have the ability around her, the community around her. And so that's also important. She had wanted for some time to stop the cycle of coming in and out of prison, of taking drugs, but she didn't feel as if there was help for her to do so. But so it worked together. Her desire to want to change, as well as the support of people, if you have close community driving you on and you have the will to drive yourself on, then you can get almost anywhere. And she's done what so many of our guests have done. She took what happened to her and she used it to help other people. She knew what she needed to get out of prison and stop that cycle, and she's helping others. And I love the side that she's not just trying to go out and help people. She's going to the exact same place where she was dropped off when she left prison. She knows exactly what those people are thinking. And it does... The whole interview with her raised questions about the support that people are given when they leave prison. Is there enough support to help people get back on their feet, to find them jobs, to find them homes? And for my own opinion, I think perhaps she reached the level where she wanted to change. She wanted to find something better because she learned through prison the consequences of her actions beforehand. And she knew that she couldn't keep offending like this. So perhaps prison itself may have served a purpose. It showed her the worst. But then what you do need is you do need some help afterwards to lead people onto a better life. They've served their punishment for the crimes they've committed, but they then need help moving forward. And again, another element in this, which we hear in so many other interviews, a family. She talked openly about how hard it was with her family when she was young. Very difficult community she grew up in, impoverished, and the family weren't really there to help her. And again, we hear time and time again that if you are surrounded by family, you reach out to your family, that helps you get through almost anything. And so that's something that I think personally, you've got to keep doing those. You've got to keep reaching out to your own children, keep moving them forward. So a fascinating interview for me, and I hope it inspired all of you as well. But more than anything, it is a reminder that it is never too late to change, to find resilience. And if you're feeling something right now and you think it's so difficult, don't be afraid. You can switch it around. You can go on. You can make your life and the world a better place. And you can do so with people and communities around you. And if you are in a good place, go and help people who aren't. I always keep saying that as well. Thanks for listening to Searching for Heroes. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.